Good evening. This brings back fond memories of when we used to worship at night in here several years ago. It's good to look out and see all your faces with it being dark outside again. Um, I'm really excited to be here. This is a really fun time of year. I know we're all kind of hyped up and this is one of the last things uh, of the season before Christmas finally comes tomorrow. Um, and it's, it's a joy to be able to share and to reflect one last time on uh, the wonder, the mystery, uh, and the good news of the incarnation um, that's of Jesus uh, being the very God of heaven, um, become fully God and fully man, united in one in a mysterious way that nobody saw coming, but in a lot of ways was the pinnacle of where the whole history of God's people um, had been leading. And it is the place that we all find our, our meaning in life uh, today. Um, it's kind of in that, in this frame of mind and refre- reflecting on it, um, I've been thinking about, I've been really nourished by this series that we've done um, um, these last few weeks about, we've been reflecting on Christ's second coming. Uh, because the Advent season, it is about looking back, like we've said almost every week, to when Christ came the first time. But that is a, it's an arrow that's pointing to another coming, um, the of where the hope we have in Jesus is leading, when everything will finally be made new. Um, so it's been it's an indispensable part of our faith, and that's been really a joy um, to reflect on. But it might, maybe being in that um, kind of state of mind uh, during the hymn saying, then this, the passage in Luke 2, when the angels speak to the shepherds, really stopped and caught my eye. Because what they did is they announced good news, um, definitively. Like, this is not good news that we have to wait for. And there is good stuff that we are waiting for, but at the same time, we all find ourselves... Um, and we recognize within ourselves that waiting is not easy. That's what we tell all of our children when they, they want something. They say, I know, waiting is hard. Waiting is hard. And I will tell you that it is a whole lot more fun to celebrate on Christmas Eve than any kind of ridiculous Christmas in July kind of celebration that we try to do because it's so far away. It's like it's, it's, it doesn't feel like it has the same meaning when it doesn't feel like it's knocking on the doorstep. And we, of course, don't know exactly when it's coming, but I think all contained within this story is this element of looking back. It is a hope that we are looking forward to that pulls us on in towards it, and yet there is good news for today. And I think it's appropriate that we reflect a little bit on just what is this good news that we have today, that we are celebrating tomorrow, um, that will not go away the whole time that we are waiting. We don't have to wait for this good news. And I don't know about you, but bad news, I'm tired of bad news. Like it is just, there's just been a weariness um, of just waiting um, of what is the next thing that's going to be, whether it's on the news or on the, you know, the dashboard of your car or something like that. Um, so I just, I find myself in a place of being really thirsty for something concrete and something that is just good that somebody can say. And Proverbs 25, 25 says, like cold water to a thirsty soul is good news from a far country. And that's what we have here. We have these angels announcing good news directly from heaven, uh, the kind that we don't have to wait for. So what is this good news? Uh, I'm going to be referencing um, passages in Luke chapter 2. You're welcome. It's not printed in your worship folder. You're welcome to turn there if you would like. It's the familiar Christmas story. So if you don't have it, then it should be okay. Uh, I hope so. 
Uh, but there's a couple things of what it means. When these angels are announcing good news, they're talking about the incarnation of Christ. And that means a whole lot of stuff. Like literally the whole Bible, it is, it is explaining what is this and why is this good news. But at its most simple form, there are at least two sides of it. And that's worthy of us reflecting on tonight. And one, in, on the one side of it, that when God becomes man, when Jesus was born with physical human flesh, that one of the things that was happening was that the very rule and authority of heaven was coming down to dwell on the earth. I'll just say that again. The rule, the full rule and authority of heaven was not staying distant up into heaven, but was actually coming down and taking root in the earth. And there are a few things that point to this, which are a little bit ironic. And just just in the first few verses of Luke chapter 2, we start getting these names of people in authority, none of whom are Jesus. Um, and I think this is here for irony in a, in a little bit, a little bit. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And in just two verses, there's a whole lot of activity that's going on here. They're referencing the Roman Empire. They're referencing the greatest power that the world had ever seen at that time. That was able to exert its authority and its will on anybody uh, by crushing them with their military might. We see pride. In Caesar Augustus, um, he was the, um, I, I, I debated whether to go down this road just because I'm not a historian. So, uh, you know, you can fact check me, but I think the basic, you know, principles of this are true. He's one of the greatest leaders of the Roman Empire. Even the term Augustus, it, it means something like majesty or holy. Um, he was, the phrases savior, good news were directly associated with this guy. He was a very prominent figure uh, that came with a lot of promises. He was one of the first to start claiming deity um, to himself as a rival leader. I, in addition to that, you've got power, you've got pride, you've got a lot of work going on. I just thought about this, like, and if all these people are getting registered in a census, you know how many people that that involves to do something like this and to get, you know, on the same page you know, somebody in some boardroom or something had a, had a debate and they decided that this is probably what they needed to do. And then someone, you know, had to keep the books and someone had to keep track of names. Someone had to figure out how we're going to do this. You know, just you can imagine in your work life, like all of the effort that goes into pulling something like this off. There's a lot of work going on. And there's also a lot of hope. One of the things that Caesar represented was called the Pax Romana. It was the peace of Rome. It was a promise of there would be a wide stretch of land governed by one rule that would be free of conflict and where prosperity would reign. This is what all of that labor, this is what all the pride, this is what all the power was leading for, is this kind of hope. Which, we know from history, didn't last forever, and it tended to benefit only some and not others. It was always a partial peace. But it is in this context, you see that this baby was born. And you get the irony here of bringing all these things to mind. That all these people with their plans and their effort and their power were actually, unbeknownst to them, were actually leading into God's plan. That there were wheels in motion that God was up to something almost in your face of this power, this great power that was there at the time. 
And I think there is great irony in the fact that these great men, these rulers, were being humbled, unbeknownst to them, before a little baby. And this is one of the things the incarnation represents. It is the power of heaven that is brought down to earth, that even though we don't see it all the time, that it is one of the promises of God that all of these things, they only serve one power. And it is our Savior, it is the one who sits at the right hand of God on the throne of heaven. And we might not see this in our own lives, granted, but we are given these little windows in Scripture where we we can see, and we are given a little bit of glimpse of how this works behind the curtain. And that is meant as good news to let our hearts be encouraged. But that's not it. There's another side of this as well. That's, you know, one side of the incarnation is the authority of heaven has come to earth, but the other side is going in the other direction. It is that actually the stuff of earth is being honored and brought up into the throne room, the celebration of heaven. Like you get the fact that these angels are kind of excited at this moment. Like they are really happy, and they are happy that this, the Son of God, has taken on flesh, and he is dwelling here on earth. He is coming into the world that he has made in order to redeem it and to lift it up uh, back out of the mire in which it stuck to the glory that it was originally made for. It's the other side of the incarnation, is the things of earth are brought up into the celebration of heaven. And we see that through, again, through the things that are happening around it. Like, um, just notice the impact that it has on these people's lives. And especially in terms of who it honors. You know, Mary is just probably something like 14-year-old girl who is just a normal, regular old person. And especially in this world and in this day and time, it is not the person you would say has the most honor and is the, the one that was going to be given this kind of good news. And who does Jesus choose to do this? As he is redeeming creation, he's actually honoring um, somebody who is very valuable to him, but in the world's eyes would be very lowly. Joseph, he has an honorable profession. He's just a tradesman. He's a carpenter. He's just going about his daily work. Normal person. The shepherds, they are riffraff. They are at the bottom of society. Do you see what Jesus is doing? When he is incarnated, you start to see almost this ripple effect of, what this is, of, of how this is affecting people's lives. He is choosing, by becoming flesh, to honor these people. He is honoring these earthly things. I thought it kind of comical that Luther talked, Martin Luther talked a lot about people's jobs. And when he preached on nativity, he had this long point about Jesus comes to those who are doing their jobs. But he meant that he's coming to people doing mundane stuff. He's honoring this kind of these people and these activities that they are doing. And that is a great hope to us because, especially when we don't see everything according to God's rule, we don't see everything in the way they should be. When we are tired of just the decisions in life, when we're tired of just the normal struggle that we have to go through every day, that we get the pleasure of doing it knowing that as God's people that Jesus has honored you and he has honored me. And it is almost so secret in here. It's almost like a secret. It's almost like he's picked out individuals and it's like, I want you to know that you are important to me. And what you are doing 
in a mysterious way that you don't understand, it is my delight to use that according to my plan and what I am working out. The incarnated Jesus honors lowly people, people who are in need. He honors the mundane. He honors our lives. He allows us to go about the things we're doing with our head held high, knowing that we are loved. It means that even as we go as slow and as arduous as the very speed of life, that that is the kind of life that Jesus entered into, and that is the kind of life that Jesus uses to bring forth um, what is ultimately to come and what we are looking forward to. And that are things that we don't have to wait for. We are living in this reality right now, today. And so I want to just put, these are the, these, this is just the basic things of what our faith is all about. And when we just break it down and think about it, it is really good news. And I don't know what you need to hear um, at this season, what is going on. But what Jesus, what Jesus is reminding us here in this season is he is telling each one of us that you, I have revealed my plan and my son to you. Because I want you to know it. I want you to know where you fit in this grand scheme and this plan. And because of that, then while we all wait, and while you wait for his second coming, that you know, you you do that before the audience of your one Savior and with the help of your one Savior who will always be there with you. On that note, let's turn to this passage in John chapter 1 that I think uh, celebrates these two things. I'll read it, then you can respond in the, bold, in the bold printed section. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth.